November 13th, 2022. We're continuing in Mesilat Yesharim. We're up to Perek He. Bebeur mafsideh hazihirut vehaharhaka mehem. We're going to elucidate, make clear um, the uh, realities in life that we bring upon ourselves or brought upon us from outside of us, uh, which take away from our attempt to achieve vigilance, zihirut, and how to in turn distance ourselves from them in order to free ourselves up for a life of zihirut. Says Mesilat Yesharim, Hine mafsideh hamidah hazot umarchikea, if you're going to look into and, uh, and count the mafsidim, again, those deterrents, the uh, realities which will take away from the ability to achieve the midah of zihirut, that character trait of vigilance, you could count three. Ha'ehad hu ha'tipul olamit. The first is dealing with and being burdened by life, by the world's occurrences by our life within this world. Hasheni hasehok vehalazon. The second is sehok and lazon. Words we'll have to define in a sharper way as we go along, but at the very least we could describe them at this point already as lightheadedness, um, this sort of um, perspective on life in which you uh, are derisive of, of matters and things uh, outside of yourself. You deride them as being insignificant. Of course, the, the easiest way to translate, but it's the wrong way, is that it's laughter and it's levity in that respect. Uh, we need not be uh, a person who laughs or makes jokes in order to be a person who's involved or deterred by sehok and lazon. Hashilishi, the last one, hahevra hara'a, is a uh, evil or negative uh, environment. It's a societal issue. It's a group, a community, which uh, brings you away from zihirut. So those are the three again: tipul vahatirdaha olamit, shok lazon, and chevra hara'a. He says, let's deal with them one by one. Unedaber bahem ehad leehad. Hine. First and foremost, hatipul vahatirda kvar dibarnu mehem lemaala. In Perek Bet, we already addressed, says Ramchal, this issue of uh, the day-to-day life, the encounters with uh, the world, which have a way of taking us away from, uh, from proper focus. He says, as we're disturbed, as we're busy with matters of this world, our mind become chained up by the overbearing burden uh, which is placed upon us. And as a result, we're incapable of focusing on ma'aseh, on the proper action. As a result, prescribes for us the proper direction. Have less involvement in this world uh, engagements and focus more on matters of truth, on Torah. Nobody will deny the necessity of making a livelihood of being able to support for yourself and loved ones and family. However, ribui ha'esek the the more you involve yourself in esek, 
in uh, <coughs> making that livelihood, well, that's unnecessary uh, to the extent that it takes away from your place and space for avodah, for proper worship, for proper zihirut. It's for that reason that we were commanded to establish times for proper study of Torah. And we already mentioned, says Mesilat Yesharim again in Perek Bet, that that ability to have itbonenut, that time which is set aside for proper zihirut, is the only way to achieve uh, true zihirut. After all, that's the statement of Rabbi Pinehas ben Yair. The first statement in the long list of character traits which are to be achieved and to be accomplished is Torah, which brings to Zihirut. Without it, you won't be able to achieve, to fulfill Zihirut. It's that which the Hachamim perhaps were alluding to in Pirkei Avot and Perek Bet. The person who's not knowledgeable cannot become and will not be pious, won't be a hasid. It just uh, comes to mind in reading this already when he refers to the Tirdota Olam, which in turn take us away from proper focus on truth. The Gemara in Masechet Sotan Dafyot Gimal tells a funny story, a peculiar one. It says at the time of the burial of Yaakov at Me'arat HaMachpelas, of course the Shivatim, the fathers of the Shivatim, uh, bring the body outside of Egypt and they're ready for burial, at which point Esav shows up, according to the Midrash there. And Esav declares, it's my burial plot, not your father's. Uh, the, the brothers uh, and sons of Yaakov are a little bit dumbfounded, don't know how to respond, but they say, we have the document which proves that this is rightfully ours, uh, our grandfather Yitzhak, your father Esav, commanded or, or set forth that this is the burial place for Yitzhak, for Yaakov, not for Esav. And he denies any such reality. He says, you have to prove it to me. The Gemara describes how they get into a quarrel and they're fighting and they send Naftali. Naftali ayala sheluha, reading that pasuk in its literal sense. He's very swift on his feet. They send him back to Egypt to come forth with the documents. At which point, in the whole hustle and bustle of the negotiations and fight and, and issues with Esav, Hushim bendan, the Gemara says, here's what took place and can't understand what's taking place. Hoshim Bendan is hard of hearing, and as a result, he has to very carefully piece together what's happening. Turns to the brothers, turns to his uncles, tries to understand what's happening, and it's he in that moment who gets up and grabs a club and knocks off Isav's head. Of course, that's the Midrash, the end part, which is most familiar to us, that Isav's head ends up in Me'arat Machpela. In the book Sihot Musav, Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz, the former Mashkiach of Yeshivat Mir, he suggests that it had to be someone like Hoshim Bendan to teach us this story, to teach us this lesson the Hachamim do by means of this story. Because Hoshim Bendan specifically, the one who couldn't hear, the one who was hard of hearing and wasn't involved in the distractions of the moment, only he, after finding out what's taking place, could actually act in a quick and direct fashion. Everyone else was all stuck in, well, we'll use the words of Mesilat Yesharim, Tirdot Ha'olam, Esek Ba'olam. The more we get distracted, the more we get involved in matters that take us away from truth, 
the more difficult it is for us to dedicate ourselves to truthful activities and to truthful missions and ambitions that we have. I mean, it's not so hard for us to really relate to this in today's day and age where you might be looking and not to fulfill the entirety of the Torah, not per se to live a life of zehirut, but just to do one thing, to call one person, to make a trip down the block, and you get all distracted by X, Y, Z, and A, B, C. Which is to say that we're very familiar with the fact that the more involved we get in matters that are sometimes mundane and unnecessary and not pertinent to the most relevant issues to us, the more we lose track of what we truly want to be fulfilling and involved in. Chushim Bendan is the best contrast to that, that teaches that lesson. The more you're involved in the nonsense, the more you're involved in the necessary debate and quarrel, but you can't just settle it because you got so involved in the give and take. I need to win the argument. You got so involved in the Isav claims that it needs to be all dealt with but seriously, says Hoshim Bendan, could anyone actually believe? But how did everyone else succumb to this conversation? Because they got ensconced, they got enveloped by those tirdot of the moment. That's very much what Mesilat Yisharim is describing. It's for that reason that Torah is the antidote. Torah, which we might oftentimes associate most with an intellectual capacity, an intellectual achievement. I now know something, but it's also a matter of focusing us on what's most significant and important. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avot and Peregimah describes furthermore how uh, along these lines of in Am Ha'aretz Hasid, it says, Im en Torah en yir'ah. We oftentimes assume yir'ah, that awesomeness of a circumstance, of a being, of a situation, is just from experiencing. But the statement instead is, in Torah en yirah, you can't come to true awe and fear of heaven without Torah. And Maharal in his commentary suggests, in his Derech HaChayim, he suggests that the closer you get to Malchut, the more you appreciate Malchut and have an awesome feeling with regards to it. The more you know about the king, the closer you are to the king, the more you understand his magisterial circumstance and position. The further and more distant you are from him, well, the less you're involved and thought about him, and as a result, the less threat and fear and, and, and awe and inspiration do you have from him. The more Torah that's involved within your being, the more yira'ah in turn is born forth. But it's, only, it's not only intellectual, the more understanding in turn will birth for you an experiential dimension as well. It's, uh, I once saw in the book Ma'alot Torah. it's written by the uh, brother of uh, Ga'on Mivilnar, Rabbi Avraham. He suggests that the Talmud, the Gemara, we oftentimes refer to, the Hakamim refer to it as Girsa, Girsa Dian Kuta, for example. And the word Ligros, he proves from a Pasuk elsewhere, has something to do with Shivira. To be Gores means to break. He suggests that the study that we involve ourselves in by definition, through that study, not just breaks our minds, but breaks our being with regards to a certain haughty position, with regards to a certain distractedness that we have as tendencies of uh, all human beings. The ability to dedicate ourselves, to focus ourselves in this life on matters of truth begins with zemanim la Torah. It's that structure which we provide for ourselves, which in turn infiltrates our essence and being throughout our lives. He continues, what's that? He's not quantifying. I imagine each person will have to determine 
based on their tendencies, based on their realities, what it is. Harambam quantifies. He's not quantifying. There's no reading it. He's not quantifying. He's making clear there needs to be a kivi'ut. What that kivi'ut is? What's that? As long as there is a kivyot. I mean, that's the Gemara. The Gemara in Masechet Shabbat describes how after death the question's going to be, Kavata itim la Torah. It's not that it became your only reality. It's where did you have a kivyot? The kivyot is the structure. Structure could be and perhaps must be the, uh, the, the primary, but it could alternatively be primary while at the same time not being. Uh, the, uh, the abundance of time per se. This inclination to do wrong, to do evil, he as well brought forth a tavlin. Oftentimes the word tavlin is translated as, um, as a spice of some sort. The Gemara in Masechet Kiddushin is going to cite could be read in such a way as well. He's going to read it just as an antidote, as a uh, as a medicine, as a way of uh, of curing yourself. Statement of the Gemara is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu created Yeser Hara, but He as well created its its medicinal cure, and that's Torah. Again, the medicinal cure might come forth. He's going to say it as a full fledged medicine. But very often they translate this Gemara as all it means is, and that's maybe in line with you, doctor, it's in line with you, that all it means is there needs to be an appropriate spice that's injected into the day. And in turn, uh, the uh, qual- quality of anything and everything you're involved with is altogether different. But at the very least, at the very least, you have to argue and you have to understand there is a medicinal quality to it. He says, now let's take that Gemara and apply it to the physical, coarse reality of life. The statement in the Gemara is, if you want to cure yourself of this ailment called Yeser Hara, well, here's the medicine, it's called Torah, well, that is the medicine. As if you say to yourself, but I can overcome it in another way. Well, you're just deluding yourself. The very person, excuse me, the very being who brought forth that ailment, the very being who brought forth the yeser, is stating this is the way to overcome it. This is the way to suppress it. Without our knowledge at times, especially when we're distracted by when we're involved in uh, the existence of this world, uh, well, we become overburdened and overwhelmed by the Yetzir without even realizing how we got there and perhaps even that we are there. And he says, if you don't focus yourself, if you don't have that yidi'an hargasha about the holy, about that ailment and sickness which is upon you, 
Uh, well, then you'll never be able to overcome it without the involvement of Torah until Tovad Nishmato, until Keshiamut Becheto, until death itself. Halemaze Dome, here's the course in physical reality. You turn to doctors, and the doctor said to you, the only way to overcome this is through this medication. Vehu, but this person, you say to yourself, It's one thing if you're a doctor, but you're not a doctor. And instead, you say to yourself, I'm not going to take this medication. I'll go another route. But who, what are you basing yourself on? Based on my own knowledge of my own body. That person has a, a certain death, which is, which is only waiting to occur to them. Uh, says says Ramchal Ken Hadavar Hazes says so too on our matter in our reality ki en mishim ma'kir b'choli hayeserra or b'kocha hamutbabo elabor oshe beraa who better than the cre- very creator of this yeser the holy the mavit of yeser hara who can uh, as well prescribe for you the medication Torah that Gemara and Kiddushin Barati Yeser Hara Barati Lo Torah Tavlin Mi Efo Yanichia Who's going to leave it aside? Ve'kach Mashi Kachzu LaTavichia Vaday Shehoshech Hachomriut Yelech Vigbar Alav Madrega Har Madrega Vhu Lo Yavin Achim Matzeh Shakua Beraav Rachok Min Aimet Harchek Gadol It'll be overwhelming. It'll be uh, uh, taking over you uh, without a realization that you're actually actually ensconced by darkness. Even, even thoughts of truth cannot uh, enter your mind without, without the proper focus and dedication. The Mashal seems to say that man is evil from creation. Right? And what the Torah? It's not a Mashal. The Torah tells us that. Yeah. I'm not saying he has a part of there's an evil inclination which is embedded within all. The Gemara debates in Masechet, in Masechet Sanhedrin whether the Yeser is there from conception or from birth. But the Yeser is there. That's part of being a human being. Well, it seems to me that's the reason, one of the reasons the Hachamim envisioned the Avot as being able to be Mekayem Kola Torah, Kodem Shenitena. What they're suggesting, perhaps, along these lines is, how could it be that they lived a life of meaning without being overwhelmed by the coarse reality of existence if they didn't have Torah? So the suggestion, therefore, is they tapped into truths of Torah. It need not mean, per se, Nefesh HaHayim makes this clear, as do others, that they were fulfilling the mitzvot in the way that you and I fulfill them. But what it does mean is the truths of Torah, the purpose of Torah, they were able to tap into. And without such a reality, without such a potential, yeah, they would succumb to all. That's the suggestion. Again, it's not, it's not, make, it's not stating that, um, that, uh, that, that, that the yetzer, to the extent that it is a part of you, 
will bring forth your actual demise in a physical sense. But it is describing a life of meaning will be incapable. Uh, you won't be able to achieve that without the proper focus on the truths of Torah. See, Harambam, for example, when he talks about those Havleha Olam, notably in two, three places, Harambam describes how people get caught up, and we fall into a slumber and sleep because of these vicissitudes. Hevel, of course, meaning air of the time, the nothingness of, of society and the world that surrounds us. In Perekim Alafilchot Teshubah, and Harambam mentions it in the context of Mizuzah as well. Arambam, among other places, has this concept that without proper focus, and you need that wake-up call, so you and I might read Mesilat Yesharim and say, Torah will achieve that, which indeed it should, but it's not to say, and I mention this only in context of the Avot, that other realities can't awaken you to truths of Torah. So we're broadening it a bit. It's instead of just being the black and white words on a page, uh, it's alternatively truths of Torah. What is it that Torah is supposed to be teaching you? So it's the shofar's call, says Harambam. It's the mezuzah, properly envisioned and understood by you. An appropriate Kabbalah to all Malchut Shamaim. It's for that reason that Mesilat Yesharim himself in the continued lines over here will state that we need to, he himself, this is not my uh, novelty, we need to broaden Torah. Torah as well is the time for Hitbonenut, the time for what we call Heshbon HaNefesh. That in and of itself is part of Imen Torah and Yira, Imen Torah and Yira, and Lo Am Haaretz Hasid and so forth. Achimu Osek Batorah Biroto Derachea Sibuyev Azharotea, in a Sof Sof Me'elavit Hadesh. In a famous Midrash, the statement, almost tongue-in-cheek of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is if only they left me but kept my Torah. Which, of course, is a ridiculous statement, but the statement is the Ma'or Shebo, the light which is embodied within the Torah, can and will bring human beings to Tob. You'll only achieve or you'll only come to truth if you're actually focused on matters of truth. So what does it mean you've abandoned God? Yeah, that's right. Even if you're being Osek Batorah even if it's only for some reason an intellectual pursuit, the vision of the Hakamim is something will creep in as you involve yourself in this body of truth itself, well, and something about it will change you. Hamaur Sheba, the light which is within it. Of course, that's reminiscent of uh, the, the Kabbalistic notion that the Or HaGanuz is embodied within Torah today. What does it mean to have that lost light from Sheshit Yimei Bereshit? You'll find it within Torah. The statement is, even if you're studying Torah disassociated from a strict um, a vision and, and focus on God, you'll still be led to truth if, if you're actually focused on Torah. Here it is. He says, I have to broaden the, the, the spectrum with regards to what it means Torah. He says, it's not only Torah again in the words that we have in front of us, but it's as well, it's to take into account what are my actions, have they gone wrong, and how can I better them? Milvad with extra time, with spare moments, the opportunity which is handed to each of us to properly focus ourselves, to orient ourselves, not taking away from the time that needs to be focused on other matters, but in those spare moments, well, that can be all the difference 
remember one of my Havrutot Alav HaShalom, unfortunately, he died in a terrorist attack in Israel, but he said to me at one point, he was a lot older, he was 20, 30 years older, and he said to me that some of the greatest people that he met achieved their greatness, and this is in the yeshiva world, not in the working world per se, during what's called ben hazemanim. He says, in between the times of limud, which means to say uh, during the month of Tishrei, for example, when it's uh, Sukkot time and there's vacation in the yeshiva system, after Chabeav, he says, it's in those times that a person determines who they truly are and can get involved in it. When you're in the regular system of limud, so growth is apparent, but to distinguish yourself from others, to truly focus on that which is is avat nafsho, that's only capable, that's best achieved during those in-between times. So the statement here is in between, uh, in between work, in between family, in between the life's uh, necessary actions, What's the, what, what, what are we doing? Are we looking for other distractions? Do we find opportunities to think about or to look at or to talk to another matter or person? Or alternatively, do we focus on ourselves, focus on ourselves properly, focus on growth with regards to ourselves? says, even though this is the broadest with regards to mafsidim, again, the distractions of the world, we can broaden that and we can suggest that in any and every endeavor, even in Talmud Torah itself, there are distractions. He says, but it's the easiest in his mind of the three that he mentioned at the onset to overcome. Why is it the easiest? Because there's a strict and specific direction. We're not looking to uproot a character trait. We're looking to fill time with proper focus. Achasheni, but he says the second one. What was that second one? If you recall, it was the lesanut. It was the shok. Inehu kashemeot. He says that's very difficult and quite severe. Buas shok vehalason ki mashetoveadam hu kemishetovea ki mishetoveadam a person who involves himself, a person who falls prey to shok and lason, to uh, a lightheadedness, to a life of derision of others and matters of true importance, that's like uh, falling into the great sea, which is difficult to emerge from. Besides from Pasuk and Kohelet, where Shalomo HaMelech turns with regards to Sehok, and to over simcha, too much joyfulness. And he says, what is shok aside from meholal? Holelut is losing control. Simcha, over, over joyousness, uh, finding a life in which I'm just looking for happiness at all moments and all junctures. Mazo osa, what does that in the scheme of things achieve for you? This is a person who's overburdened and focused on shok, on uh, in turn, holelut, on latzon, it's a person who has a character trait so deep-seated within their nature, 
It's like, he says, a shoteh or a shikor. A shoteh is a person who's cognitively impaired. A, shote, a, a shikor is a person who's intoxicated. Those are people who are not in control of themselves. And what does sehok and latzon really mean? As he'll continue to describe to us, it's the state of being wherein matters of true importance we look at and we take away their significance. That's what sehok and latzon really refers to. It's for that reason that the hachamim and the midrash refer to amalek. The pasuk talks about let's take, and in turn the hachamim envision that as amalek. Along those lines, the, the Midrash that Rashi cites in, part, in his commentary to the Torah envisions Amalek. If you remember this Midrash, the father has the child on their shoulders, and as they're walking, the child says, can I have this? And the father gives it to them. Can I have that? And the father gives it to them. Ultimately speaking, the child turns to a person who's, again, he's on the shoulders of his father and says, have you seen my father? The father takes them, throws them down and says, are you serious? I've been handing you this all along. You don't even know I'm here and who I am. And as the child hits the ground, a a kelim, a dog comes along and bites the child. That's Amalek, says, says the Midrash. It's an interesting description as well. So Amalek is both a letz and a kelim. They're both that letz, which sometimes say is a clown. They don't sound very funny at all, but it's instead someone who's, one will have to define it. And kelim, a dog, what does a dog have to do with anything? In the book Yemea Purim, Yemea Purim is written by the uh, Rosh Yeshivah, Yeshivat Hevron, Rab David Cohen. Uh, he should live in Bial Shalita. Um, so in, in, in his book on Purim, he has a ma'amar in which he addresses these matters. And he says, look at the statements both of Sefer uh, Yeshaya, but more specifically the Gemara and Masechet Beitzan, Daf with regards to what a kelev is. A kelev is the animal that we associate most with azut. Azut is fierceness. Uh, the Torah, when it refers to Amalek, it's a state of being of Velo Yare Elohim. Fierceness means I'm porek ol. Fierceness means there's matters which are above me. There's matters of significance. People, beings, realities, not just that I ignore them, but I remove them from my nature. Later on in Perik Yod Chet, Mesilat Yesharim, we'll talk about the nature, the character of Yir'ah. Yir'ah, sometimes we assume, just means fearing. It's more than fearing. It's having an appropriate appreciation for matters and beings which are of importance. It's how I always point to Isaf. I always felt when I was younger, someone said it to me in an un unfortunate occurrence when I was a young guy. He said, who said Isaf was a wicked person? The rabbis turned him into a wicked person. So he might be right, but I turned to my rabbi, I turned to Rabbi Prague at the time, and I said, Rabbi, uh, how is Isav a wicked person? Hazit, look at his circumstance, he was vulnerable, it was a difficult situation, and so on and so forth. So he said to me, not his words, my words, look for the characterization of the Torah with regards to Isav. The Torah tells stories very often, we have to decide why the person did what they did or didn't do it. When it comes to Esav, there's an uncharacteristic moment. The Pasuk says, Vayivez Esav et Vayivez is worse than anything else. Vayivez is bizayon, it's letzanut, it's sehok. It's taking a matter which has significance and turning to it, looking it in the eyes and saying, this is insignificant. That's porek all. That's uh, that's 
Re Elohim of Amalek. That's the Letzanut we refer to here. It's not so much the cynicism which brings forth laughter. It's the reality wherein we live a life and we don't appreciate matters and realities which are great and significant. I've more than for, for some years been teaching young men and women in school. Classes work very well when the majority or the entirety of the class walk in and sit, not per se that they understand what's happening, but they have an appreciation for the material or for the class and lesson that's being taught. The moment that there's airtime and there's the ability for a young man or woman or an adult by extension to open their mouth and make a statement reading the material, not only the teacher, not the, the material. Why is this significant to learn anyway? This is all silliness and not relevant at all. The second there's, in that context, laughter or an appreciation of their words, you've lost the ability to achieve anything because they've effectively brought forth letzanut. There's, a, there's this tendency in life on matters that are most significant, we laugh at them, or we look to take away from their significance because it's overbearing, because it's difficult to appreciate matters which are above us, which we know we need to achieve. We do it with people. We'll look at the person who's a significant person and deride them because we feel vulnerable in their context. That's letzanut, not necessarily with laughter. It's in our relationship with Borei Olam as well. That's what he's describing more than anything. Hazal amru sehok vekalut rosh margilim et adam la'irva. That's the statement of Rabbi Akiva and Peregimal of Perkeavot. Sehok and kalut rosh bring a person to hergel or to 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 to, to walk toward milashon regel or hergel to irva to sexual promiscuity through shok and kalut rosh. So first and foremost, several of the mifashim stated in a simple sense. That's right. The more I get involved with not caring about myself and being involved in serious matters, well, as a result, I get involved in matters that make me feel good. But alternatively, or along the same lines, just a step forward, I might know how severe Irva is. Gilu Ya'arayot is one of the Shaloshit Hamurot. But nonetheless, Sehok and Kalut Rosh, the more I've derided, the more I've brought down the significance of truly severe matters, the more it brings me closer to involvement with them. Says Mesilat Yisharim, we're not just talking to the people who are not bendat, who aren't law abiders of Torah. This is we're well aware of the many passages in the Torah that tell us how severe Giluya Arayot is. We have Masikhtot in Talmud. We have full, full passages in the Torah. The more you've taken away from the severity, but it might be severe. However, uh, it might be something that's significant, but at the same time, there is leeway for this, and it's not actually the way you portray it. And stop talking about it like fire. Let's instead envision it as something that maybe is tempting and dangerous. The more you take away from the significance 
of truly important issues. Slowly but surely, involvement, closer activity, uh, closer association. The same way the reality of anything is based on our focus and ability to recognize something. You only are involved in my life in as much as I recognize your involvement. Here's what I was drawing from. It's not just laughter. It's not laughter at all. Amalek were not funny. They did take eyes off of significance. They did take minds off of importance. The more we stop focusing, and again, it's the theme of Zihirut in its entirety. It's the ability to properly focus. So he began the Perek and he talked about the Tirdot Olam. That can be distracting. Okay, orient yourself. Find the time to focus appropriately. That's beyond anything that you could have expected because that by definition takes your mind and your essence away from a proper perspective on matters that are truly of significance. Amen.